This podcast is a part of the More Podcast Network. Hey, you're listening to the More with Nikki Dutton podcast, and you are in for a treat today as you get to meet one of my co-workers and one of my new friends, Elizabeth Prestwood. Elizabeth is amazing in every way, which you will quickly here as you're listening to her speak, but I really appreciate the way that she talks about uh, how God interacts with us in our everyday life, specifically hearing God and what that looks like, what that sounds like, and what hinders us from hearing the voice of God. Because I think for so many of us in our Christian life, that's the thing. We want to know what God has to say about this decision or us or anything in our world. And so I love the way that Elizabeth communicates this. And she's been in ministry for decades and helps Christian authors by coming alongside them and helping them with their books. So that's also a really unique aspect of what Elizabeth helps bring into the world. So I think you're going to love her. Here at the start of the new year, we all have these goals that we want to accomplish over the next 12 months. Maybe that's in our home or our work or in our relationships. And a really great way to set yourself up for success in any of the goals that you're trying to accomplish is to have a coach. And I cannot think of a better coach than Brad McDonald and the Pattern Talent team. If you haven't heard of Pattern Talent, it is a purpose-driven consulting firm focused on designing transformations that develop leaders. So what this looks like is individuals can receive one-on-one group coaching, and companies and teams are offered a tailor-made toolkit that's delivered through coaching, consulting, teaching, and training. And the whole heartbeat of Pattern Talent is to serve individuals and companies wherever they are at on their leadership journey who have that desire and commitment to become the leader that they are capable of being. Leadership affects every area of our life, and we all would love to step into that leader that we're capable of being. And Brad and the Pattern Talent team can help you do that in 2020. 24. You can find out more at patterntalent.co or email them at hello at patterntalent.co. And here's a cool thing. For the listeners of this podcast, you can get 10% off of a six-month coaching agreement using the promo code Nikki Dutton. That's all caps, no spaces, Nikki Dutton for 10% off of a six-month coaching agreement at patterntalent.co. Elizabeth, you are someone I've been excited about for a while now. I don't know if it's fair to say it took a little convincing to get you to come on the podcast, but I'm so (laughs) happy that you're here. Who are you? What does life look like? And just kind of what is life for you in this season? Well, thank you for inviting me. I have never been on a podcast. This is my first time, so I don't know what's right or wrong, but I'm just going to go through it. Um, I, uh, I'm somewhat of an empty nester. We do have one boomerang child at home at the moment. Uh, I hear that happens, uh, but he's passing through. Um, but I have three grown kids. My youngest is the University of Texas, and my husband and I live in Northwest Florida on the East Coast. And uh, we're between Jacksonville and Daytona Beach. And we moved here during COVID, rented a house sight unseen, hit the road, packed up all our stuff, dropped our youngest off at college and said, see you later. Um, so it's it's been an adventure the last three years, but we have absolutely loved being here. This is where my husband grew up. It's 
Uh, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, but then moved to Florida during high school. So I finished high school and college here, met him. And we went out west for about 36 years. And, uh, you know, when the Lord told him his assignment was up there, it was like, well, then let's go to Florida. So here we are. Well, and it's fair to say you guys are Florida folks in the best possible way. I know Florida gets a lot of reputations, but as far as like the canoeing and the sunshine and like just loving the weather and the location, I mean, you guys were like made for this, right? Well, when we lived out West, we lived in Texas and Colorado and every year Joe would say, where do you want to go for vacation? I would say the beach. Yes. But every year he would kind of say, but that we live out West, we need to take the kids to all the state parks. So, I mean, we saw all the state parks, Yellowstone, Mount Rushmore, the Grand Canyon. And and we jokingly now call all those the dirt and rock trips (laughs) because all we saw was dirt and rock in all its various forms. So when the Lord, you know, put it on his heart, let's go back to Florida. I was thrilled. I'm like, I'm going to be at the beach every weekend. I've got 36 years to make up for. (laughs) So, uh, so yes, we go kayaking, we go to the beach, we do it all. You're living your best life. And it's been nice because you're a little bit of a neighbor to me since I'm in Georgia. So there was one time where you were passing through and I got to actually meet Joe as well. And we got coffee. And so it's nice to have someone from our team over on this side of the U.S. because that's how we met is you are a part of the Propel Women and the Equip and Empower world. And then I have also served in those places, but am now on the A21 side of things. So we share a screen, we share a Zoom room once a week. (laughs) And that's where most of our interactions have happened, minus that one coffee date that we got to have. And so those are some of the things that triggered me to think, oh, Elizabeth has to come on the podcast. So we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But that's how I met you and where we've kind of built this relationship. It's primarily been through a screen, even though we're neighbors by state, almost, sort of. (laughs) Exactly. Well, tell us your faith story. I would love just to hear what has your journey with Jesus looked like? Um, It's been a fun ride, let me tell you. I I was raised Roman Catholic in a very uh, Irish and Italian community. Absolutely loved it. Still friends with all my grammar school uh, classmates. Um, And I love my Catholic upbringing. But in my teenage years, I came to a place where my faith became my own. And I, um, you know, just gave my life fully to Jesus. And uh, from there, I moved in and out of different denominations, just kind of gathering tools and putting them in my tool belt. Um, I've been Pentecostal, Baptist, Methodist, (laughs) and Charismatic Baptist, and all kind of things. You've been Um, like a charcuterie board of Christian experiences. (laughs) I really have. But you know, the beauty of that is every group, if you will, has something beautiful. And I've just been grateful to put those things in my tool belt, as I say, because what I was searching for was a flourishing Christian life. And God has given me that. I mean, it's been a normal Christian life. It's had its trials, its troubles, its ups, its downs. But I have flourished, I think, because what I was in pursuit of all the way through those experiences was more of Jesus. Mm. So I can relate to that for sure, because I have talked about it, I think, on the podcast before, that I came to know Jesus in a Baptist setting and then have moved through a lot of different denominations and even just expressions of faith, like over the last 15-ish, 20-ish years. 
And I am so grateful for my Baptist foundation because man, mm-hmm. can I flip to the scriptures? Like I That's know right. where everything is. I learned is. the word. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And yes, then later absolutely. on, I met the Holy Spirit and, and that was a huge yeah. turning point for me and have learned about service and community in other places. And so, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. It makes sense to me. I feel yeah. familiar and comfortable in a lot of different faith settings, which I'm grateful for. And it sounds like you have as well. And I'm curious too, what have been some more major moments along the way? What were just some times when you thought, oh, I just met Jesus or I just saw him in this place or in this message or just when you look back, kind of those big moments? Um, Boy, that's a big question. Um, I think it's been in the moments when he's made himself known to me. Yeah. uh, Made, gave me assurance of a decision. Um, You know, whether that was the decision to make him the Lord of my life, I knew I was different uh, right away. Um, When I married my husband, he made it really clear to me, Joe is the one. And, um, you know, when he put it on our hearts to have kids, um, I mean, I could go on and on when I've, uh, you know, got a job offer. Uh, you know, and, and that you were believing for, but, um, and he's also, um, I think I've seen him work in other people's lives when I've yeah. seen people, um, honestly, I think the biggest thing is recover from something tragic. Right. Um, you know, I was a pastor for 18 years alongside my husband and, uh, some of those years I was not on staff, you know, right. other times, uh, I was on staff and, um, when you walk with people in a church, through all the things that all the things that can happen to anyone happen to people in your church and you walk with them and you see them recover and you see them find joy again and uh, out of their pain, create some, you know, pursue something beautiful for the Lord that affects other people. I think that is a miracle we see, um, even though we don't always call it a miracle, but it is. I, I resonate with that a lot because I think that, Um, It's those moments where heaven touches earth or where you see God in your everyday life, in the real life, real time questions that you have about what job should I take? Should we yeah. have kids? Is this the guy I should marry? Or yeah. what you said earlier, should I move? I mean, we were on a team call yesterday and the prompt was, what's the bravest thing that you've done? Mm-hmm. And so many people talked about a move, a move yeah. where from a literal move from one state to another or from one yeah. job to another. And I think we forget that God is in those things, <laughs> that yeah. that God is helping direct those things and that we have yeah. access to communicate with God as we make these decisions. And so I appreciate the way that you framed that because that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to ask this too. So whenever we were talking about what, and this actually flows into it perfectly, when we were discussing what would I have Elizabeth Presswood talk about, I could have you talk about anything, I think, because anytime (laughs) you've led a team meeting or have even yesterday shared your experiences, I I just get lost in it. And so we could talk about Mm -hmm. anything, but when you and I were on the phone a couple weeks ago, wrestling through what this time could look like, you mentioned that hearing God has been a huge part of your story and that it's something and of your ministry as you've been in pastoral positions, whether paid or unpaid, that that's the thing that it comes back to so often. So I want to talk about that today because 
What do you mean whenever you say hearing God? I think as we imagine so many people listening that come from those different parts of the charcuterie board of the Christian experience, that could mean a lot of different things. So I guess let's start there. What do you mean when you say hearing God? Um, Being led by the Lord. I think that's what it really boils down to. Um, You know, it can be a prompt in our hearts, a knowing, a thought, a scripture that seems to leap off the page, something we hear in in a preached message, something we read in a Christian life-giving book. Um, It it can be something a friend shares, they're just talking, and all of a sudden you just have that light bulb moment, you know, or you realize that's what the Lord's saying to me. Uh, You know, my children were growing up, they would come to me, and I was trying to teach them problem-solving skills, of course, but I would ask them, well, what's your gut telling you? And it's not that I was trying to um, have them rely on, um, you know, something fleshly but I, or literally, but I was trying to get them in touch with that place inside of us where we have connection with God and where he makes himself known to us, however that is. But that is his leading. That's him talking to us and us responding to that, that sense of his presence, his direction, his leading. That's us hearing him. Mm. I appreciate you bringing up the gut aspect of it because I think for a long time, I don't know where I got this, but I started probably just even maybe from my Baptist beginnings, like thinking that my gut is wrong and I should not trust my gut. Mm. And there's no way that God could be in my gut because the gut feels so, can can feel so human. And so, um, so intimate. I mean, it's like, it feels the most me at times, but you're saying that sometimes that is where we can locate the voice of God is in the way that he's speaking to us. Well, I think, uh, you know, I know there are scriptures people whip out and make us not want to trust our own hearts and things like that. But, uh, you know, above that, we trust God. Mm. And uh, one of my favorite uh, Psalms that I have prayed for decades is Psalm 25, four through five. And it says, make me know your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all day. And and to me, that first line, make me know your ways. Make is a powerful word. And And it's like putting a bit of the, you know, that responsibility back over on the Lord in a way. I mean, I'm posturing my heart. I'm pursuing him with all my heart. I'm doing the best I know how to do. Um, but the beauty of that is he's so much bigger and he's so much more faithful and I can completely trust him. And I can pray that scripture, make me know your ways, make me know the way, make me know the path, make me know, you know, it says, teach me your paths, you know, help me get there. And I can't imagine the Lord not answering that question. If you're wanting to walk in his will, walk in his ways, know him, he's going to lead you, Right. you know? And I think where we get tripped up, is we've heard so many people share their testimony or share how they heard the Lord, which is beautiful and can be so encouraging. But sometimes it can sound super spiritual. Yeah. And then we feel intimidated. And then we think, well, he doesn't talk to me like that. <laughs> and and the thing is, he talks to us in a, I don't know, every way imaginable. Mm. You know, he is so faithful. He's going to get it over to us, whatever it takes. And um you know, I know one time we were trying to buy a house and there just kept being all these issues. And we got up one morning and Joe and I were talking and I said, Joe, how many times is the Lord going to give you how many chances to get out of this? (laughs) And he started laughing. I said, this is not our house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's back up and run. 
you know, and, he, yeah. and so we did, you know, we lost a little bit of money, but that was better than being in a house for how many ever years it was the wrong house. Y- yes. If you were in the wrong house for a long time, that's a lot yeah. of money in the wrong direction. It, that's right. It makes me think of that, that story of the, the man who, the, where he was at had flooded and he's on the roof. You've heard this story. And he's like praying for God to rescue him. And he's saying mm-hmm. like, he's sitting on the roof, floodwaters everywhere. And he's saying, God, like, please rescue me. And someone comes by in a boat and are like, hey, jump in. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, God's going to get me. <laughs> and then someone comes by in a helicopter and he's like, no, 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 no. God's going to get me. Don't worry about me. And at some point, God's like, I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter. I sent all of these things. Like, why didn't you take that? Like, those yeah. were me meeting that need. And I've heard that story referenced in a few different ways. And that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me yeah. because I think we're talking, our conversation is about how God is in our real life. Like God is in our everyday life. Like he's not separate from these Mm -mm. everyday things like buying a house. Do you have any other examples of a time when you've heard God's voice? Maybe it was in a move or um, just in everyday situation. Yeah. um, Just a couple of weeks ago, Joe and I were headed out to meet up with some friends that we care deeply about. We've been friends for decades um, they were in the state. Um, it was going to be like an hour and a half drive to get get to them, meet up with them for dinner. We were so excited. We've been planning this. And, um, you know, we got on the freeway to go. And all of a sudden, Joe says, you know, I have to tell you, I just haven't felt good about this all afternoon. Mm. And I said, you know, me too. <laughs> and I said, so why are we on the interstate? Why are we headed this way? And, yeah. you know, and I said, let's just get off the next exit. Let's text them. Let's talk. Let's figure out what's what's the deal here. And, um, and, and we figured out there was a reason, you know, but, um, you know, we've also learned in our relationship to trust one another and to be honest and bring that up, um, you know, and work through it, uh, to make sure it's not just something, you know, our flesh or our, you know, something going on in our day or retired or whatever. And then it's really just a prompting, you mm-hmm. know, just that, that little nudge from the Lord, um, you know, I, I think it's just encouraging to me to me that the Lord cares about something as small as that, which um, it really wasn't small because of all the things we figured out. <laughs> but but what's so encouraging to me is he cares enough to get information like that to us. That goes back to that. Make me know, Lord, make me know your ways. And, um, you know, he cares about the smallest thing. I think, you know, for years I strained to hear him because, I you know, we just get that idea of how he's supposed to talk to us. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to get let, let him out of the box, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let him out of the box, let him be, let him be God, let him do how, however he wants to do it. And, um, you know, get rid of our preconceived ideas. And I think letting him out of the box is part of maturity. It's part of yielding control to him and not trying to control in our flesh. You know, there's a Proverbs 120 says, wisdom cries aloud in the street. And I often quote that, and then I say, and I answer it. <laughs> I hear it, and I answer it, you know, because sometimes what we really just need is wisdom. Yeah. You yeah. know, wisdom answers a lot of the questions we're asking and trying to hear from God about. Mm-hmm. You know, Yeah, that makes sense to me. When you were saying that you, we have to let God out of the box, we have to let go of those preconceived yeah. notions, yeah. what were some of those expectations you had? What did you think God would sound like? Or how did you think it was ha- it would happen? Even if it sounds silly to say, like, what were those initial thoughts of this is what hearing God would look like that you kind of had to loosen your grip on? Well, 
I think early in my walk, um, you know, I was around, uh, I was around people that would say, well, I heard the Lord say, mm. you know, and I never really stopped. I mean, I was what, you know, 16, yeah. 22, <laughs> somewhere in there. I never stopped to go, excuse me, how did you hear that? <laughs> you know? And, um, so I began to ask God questions and expect to hear him in the same way. And, and to be honest, sometimes I did. And what it was, was, was a thought that went through my mind, but I just had that, um, I don't know, resonating thing in my heart that I knew that's, that wasn't my thought. That was God's thought, you know, but I think by hearing other people, we get those ideas that it has to be like the sentence in our head or not an audible voice necessarily, but just something so much louder than everything. But the word says, be still and know that I'm God, you know, and he speaks sometimes and just like, it's faint, it's Mm -hmm. passing, it's a passing thought. It's, um, you know, it's just a knowing, it's a, it's a, you sense it. You know, when I first began writing for Christine Kane, before that, I got a phone call uh, from a mutual friend and they wanted to know if I would write for this other author who's actually somewhat bigger than Chris. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't know what bigger means, but yeah. more well-known, right. you know, at the time, more well-known at right. that time. Right. And so, um, you know, I was excited, you know, you know, we love these doors that open in our lives and I was just thrilled and what an opportunity and an honor. And, but it's, but like the next day, starting the next day for the next two weeks, I just felt nauseous. Yeah. I just had this anxiousness. I just thought, oh, this is not good. I'm not supposed to write with this person. I don't know what to do. And I I just kept praying over it and asking the Lord. But at the same time, I was digging to the basements, what I call Mm -hmm. it. I'm trying to figure out why. Why would I not want to write with this person or for them or, you know, whatever? Because I didn't know the whole assignment at the time. But but I began to realize I've never finished one of their books. Mm -hmm. Uh, And while I liked to listen to them, I wasn't really into them. I like, I didn't feel a connection. I never looked to them as someone to, who really spoke into my life. Although one time I heard them, uh, do a conference and it changed my life. Yeah. But, but I, it just, it was like, that was the one big moment. It wasn't like ongoing through the years had I, you know, always picked up their book and read it and that kind of thing. So at the end of two weeks, I got another phone call from the same uh, group and they were like, instead of writing for that person, there's this up and coming chick. You've probably never heard of her. Her name's Christine Kane. You know, would you be willing to to try? And I was like, yes. And the fireworks went off. And that's the only way I know to call it. Like everything inside my heart got excited. And it's like, that was part of knowing, that was part of hearing God. Yeah. You know, nausea, not God. <laughs> Excitement, God. I mean, it's just, Yes. You know, and that's not probably in scripture. Right. (laughs) But, but, but it's just that, that place, if we walk with him, if we follow him, if we read the word, we pray, Mm -hmm. we worship, we go to church, we gather with our friends. Mm -hmm. If we stay in this stream of walking the Christian walk and doing all we can to grow and mature and pursue him, you know, he will make his way known to us. Yeah. And I think it sets us up to be in the right spiritual state, if you will, or condition or environment um, that when we hear something, you know, I've been, I've been in plenty of places where you just hear something and you think that's not right. Yeah. You know, and you're in other places and you think, whoa, that's, that's (laughs) really good. And so that's just, that's that witness on the inside Mm -hmm. of us of the Holy Spirit that this is of God and that is not. And I think we make it hard. 
<laughs> or harder than it has to be. Uh, but, but you know, to our credit, it's just because I think in our pursuit of more of the Lord, we just hear all these different um, experiences other people have. And then we sort of have begin to grow this expectation yeah. that my experience has to be like their experience. But I think God speaks to us in a myriad of ways. So in my younger life, I put him in a little box. I was expecting a sentence or a paragraph, you know, or a billboard on the highway. Um, and now I don't, I don't necessarily have any expectations other than to hear, to yeah. know. Um, and I'm cool with however God wants to make me know, Yep. you know, yep. and get that information to me. Yep. There's this practice that happens where you, the more you lean into it, the more familiar you become with the way that God speaks. And yeah. often I've prayed, if I'm praying for a friend or a family member, I'll, and I don't, again, theology, I'm not sure if this is theological. This is just what makes sense to me, but I, I'll ask the Lord to speak to them in their language and just remind myself that mm. God knows their language. And I'm not talking like English, Spanish, Portuguese, right. but, no, that's but, good. but they're, they're, personal language, my personal yeah. language. Uh, even the other day I was with a friend and she kind of, we were talking about the Lord and she made a joke about like, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit said this. And I was like, da, 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 da. And one of the friends that we were with said, that's, that's not right. Like that is like, um, like degrading to the Holy Spirit or that's putting mm. him down. And, and she was, I appreciated that she did this. She said, no, not at all. Like that's how we communicate. It was not being disrespectful. It was not yeah. being disobedient. She just, there's this banter that she has with the yeah. Lord because she communicates with the Lord so frequently. And I think that was a really good example of, I don't think either of them were necessarily incorrect. I just think that the way the Lord communicates with one of them looks different than the way he communicates with the other because they're formed so differently and there's yeah. room for that. So I think about that and the familiarity that comes, even with mm -hmm. any like voice we hear in our life, whether that be a family member, friend, a coworker. I remember even one of my coworkers, we had worked together so often and we were on the phone so much and like public speaking so often, our voices even started to kind of mesh. <laughs> you know, we picked up <laughs> some of each other's like mannerisms and things. And so... Yeah, I, I think that I think that that can also be true about the Lord. The more that we communicate, the more that we practice, and even practices in being in the Word, engaging with Scripture, like that Proverbs verse, responding to it, <laughs> saying, yes. "I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't want to miss it." I That's think right. that that builds that language. This time of year, a lot of us are setting goals and intentions or clarifying our hopes and our dreams that we have for the next year. And it's really nice to have something tangible to remind you of that important thing in your life. That is what my necklace from Racera has been for me. I wear the dot, dot, dot necklace that's a part of the Stephanie Bear collection. And it's made by Racera. And at Racera, they believe that jewelry should be meaningful. Every piece is designed with this in mind to serve as a daily reminder of important values, stories, or people in your life. Plus, you're supporting a powerful mission. At Racera, their mission is to employ and empower women survivors of homelessness and domestic violence by offering their makers a living wage, one-on-one -on -one financial counseling, food and clothing assistance, and referrals to free mental health counseling. You can find your favorite piece by visiting www.racera.com slash Nick Dutton. That's N-I-K-K-D-U-T-T-O-N 
or use promo code Nick Dutton for 15% off of your purchase when you check out. And I would love to see what you decide to buy. What are a couple things that you would say can hinder our ability to hear that voice? You've already mentioned some, but is there anything else that you would add that this could be a hindrance to hearing God's voice? Um, you know, I want to say something before I answer that. Yeah, please that. do. Here's the beauty of, of all of it, is that God is so big and God is so committed to us that if we, if we don't hear it perfectly straight, or if we're not strong enough spiritually and, you know, our flesh is our flesh and we want to do what we want to do. We don't want to do what we have that knowing on the inside of us is the best choice to make. He is so big. He will still fix our mess. You know, <laughs> he will still intervene and help and give us another chance to make that right hand turn instead of still going in the wrong direction. You know, and I just think that is the greatest thing about God. You know, he, his mercy is unending. Um, you know, so, you know, as far as hindrances go, again, I think the biggest one is ourselves mm-hmm. and our preconceived ideas and our religious expectations and um, our um, just, I don't know, frustrations. Um, because we're not hearing him maybe in an easy way. Sometimes I think we just have to keep walking by faith and trust him uh, and trust him that, you know, there have been times when I had to make uh, maybe a quick decision and I wasn't 100% sure. Well, I can't just get paralyzed and not make a decision. And so in with all that I did know, I made the best decision I could. And then I trusted him you know, that Lord, if this is really wrong, if this is really, really not the right way to go, please make yourself known. Show me because my heart is to please him and to go in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I remember early on, uh, this is kind of just a little bit of a story, but growing up, I always wanted to be an FBI agent. I mean, I fingerprinted everybody in our neighborhood and they let me, I had a whole kit and everything, you know, that way if they committed a crime, you know, they were all retired people, but if they committed a crime, I was going to help the police catch the bad guy. And so, um, but in seventh or eighth grade, this gift for writing became, began to grow or be apparent. I loved English. I loved diagramming sentences. I loved writing. I think I wrote my first term paper in sixth grade. I was a little nerdy. And I uh, went on through high school, was on the yearbook and college, on the literary magazine, all the stuff, graduated in journalism, you know. But deep down, there's still this yearning to be an FBI agent. Hmm. So much so that I think in Demon and Joe's second or third year of marriage, I was gonna, I had heard they were hiring. You know, we were living in Fort Worth at the time. I was going to go apply. And I had told Joe, you know, I, this, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I was riding down University Avenue and I was torn. I was torn between this, this, you know, I knew I was called to ministry, but I want to be an FBI agent, but I have this gift of writing. Like, how do you take that smorgasbord and put it together? (laughs) And I just needed to hear God. And I just remember out of anger and frustration. Now, I'm just, I'm pretty real with God. I always have been, but I was angry and I was frustrated. I remember hitting the steering wheel and just with my, you know, just banging it and just saying, what do you want me to do? And that was one of those times when I did hear, not out loud, but I heard a sentence in my head and my heart, and I heard him say, I want you to write. And then I was really mad. And so, (laughs) and I just remember saying, fine, then you make it happen. 
you know. <laughs> yep. So, this is on you now. If that's what you I know, want, I, I had a work. really, I had a real, a real attitude. But you know, he didn't care that I had an attitude. He, I, he probably was just so excited. I was somewhat surrendering begrudgingly. Yes. But you know, he, um, I got a phone call not long after that. And somebody said, why don't you, what if you, you know, apply for this job? And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> but yet it's like, okay, fine. Yeah. You know, I could just, I yeah. could see it was the Lord. And so, um, you know, that, that phone call led to actually getting that job and that job led to the last 32 years. And I'm still not an FBI agent, but <laughs> yes, I make friends with as many, <laughs> you know, but, um, but anyway, I just think that, you know, we just have to be open, yeah. you know, yeah. but he hasn't spoken to me like with that kind of a sentence. I mean, you know, maybe it's been in 30, 32 years, maybe it's been you know, 20 times, but I bet there's been hundreds that it was right. just something else, m- much more subtle, right. you know, right. and, and a, just leading of his spirit. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And even earlier when you were talking about how alleviating this pressure to get it right or feeling like if we fail, mm-hmm. we missed our chance and he's never going to talk to us again. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. And no. when Scott and I were taking our biggest our bravest move, our biggest jump in moving to California, a, a phrase that we joked is that God's bank account is big enough to handle this. If we're making a huge mistake, and we meant metaphorically and fiscally, like if we're yeah, making right, a huge right. mistake, that God's bank account is big enough to handle it. And we meant more on the faith side of things and even on the life path that if this is wrong, He will redirect and He will move us and we will shift. And that freed us so much and gave us the courage to make some of those moves, even if they weren't our preference, even if it was writing versus FBI, or if it's this place versus this one, it gave us a little bit more, like a little bit more slack in our rope to do those things because we knew that if anything changed, God would go before us and we could trust that. And I think that this actually leads really well into one thing I wanted to talk about because it's such a part of who you are and how we met is that you have had this opportunity over the last 30 years to write and to collaborate on some really cool projects. And for the last few years, I get the privilege of hearing the inside scoop of what's coming down the line. And I think that this concept of hearing from God, I know that it goes so hand in hand with working on these projects. So can you talk about what the typical collaborative writing process looks like and just how I'm more specifically interested in how you interact with the Holy Spirit in that process and fleshing out ideas and uh, searching the word for something that maybe hasn't been quite underlined in that way before. Could you speak a little to that? Sure, absolutely. I think in every um, every area where the Lord has allowed me to live out my professional life, my spiritual life has has been right there in the middle of it. It's not a separated life; it's all one life. And um, but you know, with with any author, and of course with with Christine, it's like you know, you do all the research, you do all the that, you know, she maps it all out, all that kind of thing. But as you're, as you're working with all the content and as you're reading stuff and reading research, it's all, it's like, I'm almost have this question that is subconscious, but on repeat, always asking, 
You know, what do you want to say to the world, Lord? What are you trying to get out into the world? What is the value of this book? And many times when I've been working with an author on a book and, you know, you reach those places where you're trying to flesh it out, figure it out, you know, I often go back to the Lord when I just step back, you know, get that 35,000 foot view. And I'll say things to the Lord, like, you know, Lord, this is your book. You have something to say. You've, you've put an unction in the heart of this author and you have words you once said, there's a message. There's a point to this chapter. What is the heart of this chapter that you're trying to say, you know, or what is it that women and, and men in this world need to hear today, you know, to help them navigate the next few years or, or whatever. And, um, you know, I think that's the heart, you know, even, even though I've never written my own book, um, and I've helped everybody else write their books. <laughs> I, I, in college, I made a commitment to the Lord. I said, I'll never write a book. You don't tell me to write, you know, and I, thus far, he's given me ideas, but I just haven't felt that big. Oh, now it's time to write this book. Um, but, but I love it that I've watched all these authors write the books the Lord wanted written. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I've just got to come alongside and help. Um, but it's like, he's getting, he's getting them done and he's getting them out there to help his body keep growing and maturing and, and, and learning how to live and hear him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have been the benefactor of some of those books. And honestly, most people listening have probably benefited from some of those chapters as well. And that's the cool part of the story that we may not even get to see this side of heaven of how that specific phrase that someone underlined in a book or how that specific interpretation or illumination of a scripture, how it brought something to life in real life, real time, and how we were talking about that God speaks to us through everyday means and everyday ways. I know that I know that I know that so many people, because we get to hear some of these testimonies, their lives were changed by these pages. And that is such a fun thing. It's so fun that you get to be a part of that. And while simultaneously, it's building your personal faith as you're wrestling through life, as you're asking these questions, that's how it happens is you ask the question and then you, that's what you study and that's what ends up in the pages. (laughs) You know, I, I joking, I've never been to seminary, but I feel like I've been in seminary all my life writing for so many different people and Mm -hmm. with them and helping them with their projects. And, um, you know, I, I've, you know, helped write books on marriage and, I don't know, faith and I mean, all kind of things. And so everything I've ever written has personally challenged me, encouraged me. I've had to make sure that I understand this, that I know how to live it to the best of my ability. Um, You know, and so um, I don't know, just, you know, a lot of them have been theological uh, deep dives. <laughs> Others have been a lot more practical application, yeah. uh, family life, you know, yeah. but each one, uh, has challenged me spiritually, personally. Um, I don't ever approach a book like I already know it all. I don't, yeah. I learn as I write, um, to this day, they stretch me. Uh, I may understand the concept. I may have lived it, but I'm still being, you know, I'm still being stretched and growing to, a you know, an, a different capacity. 
That's encouraging for me to hear because even with this podcast or we've talked about other projects, like maybe writing one day, I think I thought that you had to have the answer before you started the book. <laughs> but, no, an outline helps, but, <laughs> yeah. but even the outline can change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and for yeah. my friends who have who have released books over the last couple of years, that's what they've said is that, no, this thing has a life of its own and it grows yeah. and it morphs yeah. and it changes. And one of my friends, they were on the podcast recently. They released a book about of liturgies. It's called Liturgies for Wholeness, and they have a book, Liturgies for Hope. And they said that it's kind of like a kid, that you like raise it up and you form it, and then you release it in the world. And it has this whole life of its own. Wow. And you just kind of stand on the side. Yeah, they're obviously very gifted and brilliant. <laughs> but like, <laughs> the, and I think it actually came from her dad, who's not a writer or anything like that. And that's where uh. some of those most profound things come, is, is people who aren't even seeking to say something profound. But he told her that, that it's kind of like having a kid and standing on the side and releasing them into the world and just like watching them grow and just saying, wow, I'm so surprised by that. I'm so excited for that. I'm so moved by that. And I also view God's relationship to us in that way. I mean, of course he's involved in shaping and growing us, but just this pride is kind of what I sense from the Lord. And even as we've gotten to know each other in little bits, that seems very evident to me that the Lord is excited over your life and involved and active and growing. Mm. And I hope that that's maybe something that if someone's listening, that they catch that glimpse for themselves today, that the Lord is interested and invested and wants to communicate and wants to build something together, whether it's a book or a family or a community or a home. I mean, it could be anything, which is the fun part. It it could be an FBI agent. There could be an FBI person (laughs) listening and it applies there too. So I, yeah, I think that's kind of the last thing that I would say, but I wonder, is there anything that you would add to the person who's listening today? I, I just think God does want more for us than, than we could imagine. And I think sometimes we think we're asking for too much, you know. Um, I remember when uh, I heard like in college um, at a retreat, I think, or something with our church, you know, that you should make a list of what you want in a husband. <laughs> yep. and my list was really short. <laughs> I had that list. I had it on a note card. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wasn't very mature. I think I wanted blue eyed, blonde, you know, I mean, I wanted I wanted him to love the Lord, of course, but I didn't know what to put on yeah. the list. Yeah. And yet, you know, when when he gave me Joe, I mean, he's we've been married. We'll be 38 years in April. And, you know, it's been one big, fun ride. I, like I said, and I'm not painting a, a unrealistic picture. We've had our 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 heart aches at times, but but it's but we've been in it together. Yeah. Like he's a he's above and beyond what I could have ever imagined and a husband and a friend and a, and a dad, our kids and everything. And so I think it, that is just a picture of what every area of our life is like. Mm-hmm. You know, God knew the end from the beginning of my life, you know, um, and I think that yearning to be an FBI agent is I wanted adventure and excitement. And I'm sure TV glamorized that for me. <laughs> but but that adventure can really, that yearning for adventure can really only be met in the Lord. Yeah, that's right. And, and I was blessed to get to be called to ministry but to, to outwork it, you know, not just through being a pastor for about 18 years, but all, all the way through those 18 before and after it's been writing. Mm. 
um, you know, or editing or leading a publishing team or that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, he, he, he had a plan all along, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was a plan full of adventure, full of excitement, full of learning, which is something I love to learn. Um, you know, and he, that's how he is about every decision in our lives. He has more in store, more in mind than we ever could. And he wants to lead us down that path and bless us with all of that. And I'm not talking about, I'm not trying to glamorize it or say that, you know, whatever your walk is and wherever he takes you is going to just be a picnic. It's not, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. It'll be fulfilling. Mm -hmm. It'll be meaningful. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll be rich in ways that we don't always think of. And, um, you know, I just think we just have no idea, you know, that scripture, he gives us more than we can ask or imagine. And, but I think he does that as we seek him and pursue him and follow him. Mm Yeah, there's there's a levity, a playfulness, an excitement to it as well. Like it, it's yeah. exciting to imagine. And of course, I agree with everything you just said because that's the whole reason this podcast is here. And it's called <laughs> The More Podcast because that was a word that the Lord gave me in 2020. Mm. I asked him, I said, you know, what's my word? What's my focus for this year? And it was more. And I wrestled with that because I didn't know what that meant. And here we are almost four years later, still talking about more because there's so many aspects and facets and forms to what more can look like. So yeah, I definitely agree with the message of more. (laughs) And I appreciate you coming on here. I appreciate you trusting me with being your first podcast. You did a great job. It was perfect. You do a great job. (laughs) And Uh, normally at the end, I was thinking this as we were talking, normally at the end, I will kind of point people to whatever we discuss is like worth pointing to. But this audience has already heard me talk about Propel Ecclesia. So I wondered if you would just give a quick synopsis. I can explain what it is, but will you give a quick synopsis of why someone would look into Propel Ecclesia, maybe who it would be meant for? Well, you know, um, I I was a pastor for 18 years. Before that, ever since Joe and I married, we were in lay leadership And, uh, you know, whether that was, you know, small group leader, leader over small groups, leaders, you know, whatever. And um, I think that a lot of those years, you know, it's no secret that for the most part, the church world is a man's world. And I just think in, in, you know, there's definitely more spaces and places for women in ministry today. Um, but even when I, I always t- kept telling Joe, you know, or Joe knew when we met and married, and all, I knew I was called to ministry. I knew when I was 16 years old, I didn't know what that would look like. I didn't know how the outworking, I figured I'd have to be a missionary. Um, you know, I mean, cause you look well, back then when I would look at the church, I didn't see women on a platform yeah. preaching. I saw them as missionaries and Sunday school teachers and things like that, which is awesome. And, um, but I think that, uh, through the years, I remember at one point the Lord started giving me sermons messages. I mean, I would be driving the car and he'd just be downloading stuff to me and I would just see it in the scripture. And um, I called a friend one time and I asked her, I said, do you think that's God? (laughs) And she said, I said, you know, because I didn't see anywhere to express that. So it was confusing to me. Why am I getting messages? And she started laughing. She goes, Elizabeth, I just don't think the devil is giving you (laughs) ideas for sermons for people to grow in Christ. She goes, yes, that's the Lord. And I'm like, why would he do that? Where am I going to go with that? Well, praise God, unbeknownst to me, years later, I got to be a pastor. I got to be a pastor in an environment where I did get to preach and teach quite a bit. And um, and so I, I just know, though, that even in that, it was still a, a world to navigate because um, 
of, of so many things we hear and think, you know, about women in ministry. So what I love about Ecclesia is that it's, it's a it's coaches, it's Christine, it's um, coming together, creating community for women in ministry in whatever capacity, you know, if they feel like they're called to um, live out that calling in the marketplace or they're called to, to do it um, on a on a platform or just in their church as a small group leader or something like that, um, or a children's pastor or whatever it is God's called them to do. It's they can find community. They can have people to talk to. I mean, if I had had someone alongside me years ago, helping me navigate that world and know what to do, I mean, it would have helped so much. I'm sure I would have offended a lot less people. So <laughs> I'm saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, which I can be gifted at at times. But, um, but you know, I just love Ecclesia. I love the mission. When, when we first started all talking about this behind the scenes, I was so excited. And I love the team God has brought together. Yeah. You know, I, I run in my lane over here with writing, but all those girls run over there in that lane of Ecclesia and making it happen. And, you know, it's just a, a beautiful, amazing space that fills and a need it fills in the church world. Yeah. And it's just awesome. I agree. I agree. And as it, this is perfect timing because as this episode will be released, you guys will be in California and That's will right. be hosting the in-person portion. So practically Propel Ecclesia is a cohort experience where you're having yes. calls and you're having like all of this in real time discussion, yes. learning, uh, learning from some of the most incredible people. It really is unfathomable, the people that you yeah. get access to in such a personal and individual way and within your community. And then there's this in-person component as well yes. that is happening this week when this is coming out in Southern California, which, I mean, again, we started talking about Florida, but Southern California, come on, it, it's gorgeous. It's so, not, it's it's not, not too bad. Too bad. <laughs> so even for that, but in all seriousness, Propel Ecclesia is so worth checking out. Um, I know I've shared about it in other episodes episodes, but I'll make sure that all of the information is in the show notes below so that someone can click through and consider being a part of the next cohort because they are filling up fast and it's just one right after another, after another. So it's worth jumping into if that's something that kind of sounds interesting to you as you've heard Elizabeth talk about it. You know, for all the women who are on a church staff in any capacity, I think for the pastors listening, I think it is probably one of the best investments they'll ever make sure. in their female team members. And, you know, every church should send their female staff to Ecclesia. Agreed. Agreed. Phenomenal. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for being here and for sharing so much of your heart and what you've learned. And thank you for all of the things that have your fingerprints all over them that are sitting on our nightstands or <laughs> that we're listening to on audiobooks. I just really appreciate you. And I'm glad that I get to know you. I feel honored. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a privilege to be here. Uh, you made it easy. Good. For, you know, it could have been really intimidating with my first rock podcast, no. but you made it super easy. You're first of many, and you better write your own book because I will read it. Uh, well, that's in the Lord's hands. <laughs> yeah, we'll I, know, I know. I <laughs> know. 